All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Brooklyn Boxing Podcast. I have a very special guest today, former Muay Thai champion, current gym owner, and also a podcast host of his podcast, Champ Up. So everyone go check that out. Uh, thanks for joining the show today, Chris Romulo. Thanks for having me, Pat. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me. I think you got a really interesting story and and Muay Thai right now is, uh, you know, very exciting sport. I think it's getting highlighted a little bit due to the success of the UFC and bringing some more eyeballs onto it in the States. Um, but starting out, you know, I'd love to just hear a little bit about kind of your start in Muay Thai. I know you grew up in New York City, um, you know, first generation. So maybe bring me back into those early years for you growing up in Queens. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, before I got into Muay Thai, I actually started out in Taekwondo. My dad was a, a Taekwondo stylist back when I was a kid. And I just remember uh, at eight years old, seeing him leave the, the house or the apartment every weekend and not really sure where he was going until one day my mom forced me or forced him to take me to uh, the Taekwondo dojo with him. So that was around eight or nine years old. And that's what, that was my first experience with, with martial arts. And around that time, you know, Bruce Lee was big and, you know, Kung Fu flicks were, you know, were on, you know, Saturday afternoon and on channel five. So I got into martial arts pretty early, but um, I guess from about eight years old to about 15, I, I studied Taekwondo and then about 15 years old, I kind of gave it up. I just, you know, I, I became a knucklehead. I started running the streets and uh, making pretty bad decisions. And that that eventually led me to Muay Thai uh, in, at about 20, 21 years old. So when you were growing up in, in Queens, you know, your uh, parents were from Philippi the Philippines, correct? Yeah. So that was obviously, you know, kind of pre- well, during, I mean, Pacquiao's been along so long, but as a kid, so it's like, was, was boxing, you know, you had some guys that were in, obviously big names on the rise in the sport, like were there different avenues within combat sports that like attracted you from a, a, as like a fan, or was it just, you kind of got into Taekwondo just because of your dad? Yeah, it was mainly because of my dad and again, watching like Bruce Lee and stuff like that. But as I got older, like through the 80s, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, was obviously a huge uh, attraction back then. And then eventually in the 90s, when the UFC started coming around, that that definitely caught my eye. And it, I wasn't training, you know, I wasn't doing anything at the time. I just kind of, I got lucky, came across, you know, the UFC on, on a pay-per-view and I, I was amazed by it. Uh, what's interesting about that was, you know, watching, you know, Hoist Gracie choke everybody out. Like, I, I, I'll I never forget, I remember watching this uh, French uh, Muay Thai fighter. Um, and he was, he was the guy that, you know, that really caught my eye during the early UFCs. And he was like, kicking people's teeth out of their face. And I was just like, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's that like classic. It's Was he the guy who fought the sumo wrestler and he kicked them in the in the face yeah. I remember that old school fight that's like an unbelievable moment those early UFC days are just insane 
Yeah, that that was definitely it. I mean, all right, yeah, getting choked out was. I mean, Gracie was was stopping everybody, but uh, for some reason, because I I guess you know being a Taekwondo guy, watching kicks fly, I was just like, yeah, that looks that looks a lot more appealing <laughs> than choking. Yeah, out. yeah, most most definitely. There was a big Taekwondo style knockout this past uh, UFC event. I'm blanking on the guy's name, the Baby Beast, maybe the. Super big heavyweight looks oh. heavy set, and then he throws the spinning hook kick knockout against uh John Volante. And I was like, Oh my god, I didn't know this guy was that agile. And then pulls off a flip, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that must have been nice for you to see that. Yeah, for sure. That I mean that that kind of athleticism, I don't think I've ever reached that kind of athleticism. <laughs> Yeah, he said it's all in the mind. So he's like, you know, I, if you believe you're 170 pounds, you are. And he's obviously way above that. So plays into the mindset of these guys and and yourself as well. Like, obviously, you had, um, you know, an amateur career. And and um, one thing I did want to touch on before getting into your success as a pro is um, your time at Church Street and developing that program there, because that's obviously a big boxing gym in New York and has a ton of history of champions and now all different types of combat sports so what was it like being a pioneer for Muay Thai and, and being at such an iconic gym oh man it's something I'll, I'll never forget you know the opportunity that you know Justin Blair who who owned Church Street Boxing Gym at one time and my coach Jason Stroud who are guys that you know really helped me move myself through the sport at, at a time when Muay Thai wasn't that popular and Jason you know he he really you know, as far as like um, developing my skills at the time when we met, I was just, you know, I was kind of just training solo at the time. You know, I was trying to figure out my way because I had lost my uh, not lost, but my original trainer went back off to Thailand and he was doing his thing. And I had, hadn't really been training consistently. But when I met Jason Strout down at Church Street, you know, he really, you know, took my skills to the next level. Funny story about that was uh, I was actually building the Muay Thai program down at Church Street Boxing Gym and Jason Strout came in like as a drop in one day and I didn't know who he was. He was just, you know, uh, you know, at the time he was just, you know, a guy walking in off the street and he asked if I could take if he could take the class. It was like an afternoon class. And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, have you ever done Muay Thai before? And he was like, yeah, I've done a little bit of it. And meanwhile, while he's taking the class, you could see that this guy really knew what he was doing. And after the class, he asked me if we wanted, you know, if I wanted to like kick around. And in Muay Thai, that means, you know, just, you know, spar a little, like light, you know, lightly, nothing crazy. And I'll never forget, like after the class, he was like, he gave me a heck of a time. And I was, you know, at the, you know, at the time I had an ego, I thought I was, I was the best, you know, the best that I could possibly be. And, you know, this guy that just showed up from nowhere from Milwaukee, who, uh, you know, I later found out that he was training with uh, Duke Rufus out of Milwaukee. And he was just like, yeah, he, he was um, he was somebody who humbled me pretty uh, early on in my uh, that was during my amateur career, too. And, and once you started, like, getting settled in there at the gym, like did it take off right away in terms of the people coming off the street? Because like Church Street, for those who don't know like they have you know many um you know pro amateur fighters but also you know it's open to people who just want to get a workout in and, and i'm sure it was kind of a new lane that you were opening up 
for people in terms of, uh, you know, fitness and, and, and training in Muay Thai? Yeah, definitely. Again, it was still definitely underground, but there was definitely uh, a demand for it, you know, I guess with, again, UFC kind of in, in its early stages. So this was like back around 2003. So it was still a little unknown, but you definitely had an underground, um, you know, effect where people were just like, oh, I want to train this this, you know, this Muay Thai thing, right? And, you know, there were there were a handful of fighters, not a lot of guys or girls that were fighting pro, but definitely a lot of, you know, uh, people that wanted to test their, test their metal in the ring. And yeah, it was, um, you know, it was great because since Church Street or Justin Blair was running the Friday Night Fights promotion since like the early 2000s, it was definitely, uh, it was a good combination of having, a place to train, but then also having a place to uh, test your skills. And it, and when you mentioned the the French fighter in the UFC Muay Thai early days, you knocked out the sumo wrestler's tooth. It just kind of spurred my memory and um, made me think of a guy, King uh, David Leduc. I, I believe the name is who's sort of the, the king of Lethway right now, which is not Muay Thai, but um, you know, similar other than the headbutts. And, um, you know, I'd just be kind of curious of like your, I guess, thoughts on Lethway and, and if you are a fan of it and uh, maybe if there's a lot of crossover between Muay Thai guys and Lethway, I'd imagine. Um, more of a question because I'm just kind of curious to know more about it. I've been turned on to it recently and seen some interviews with David on on Rogan and, and some other outlets so well you know it's funny you mentioned that because originally i got into muay thai so now i guess it comes back to this street fight that i got into as a you know young kid uh, well i was in my 20s and you know i was i was doing all the things that probably i shouldn't be doing you know and uh i find myself in uh in a street fight that you know i almost you know could have got pummeled into the ground pretty much and from that point on, like, I knew I, I never wanted to feel that weak and helpless again. So that's what actually spurred on the, the journey to get back into martial arts because I had left it behind as a 15-year-old. And I came across, um, you know, this Navy SEAL hand-to-hand combat course in martial, you know, in the, you know, martial arts magazines. And I picked one up and I ordered this, uh, this three three tape series, a VHS tape series, had it sent to my mom's house. And what really stood out for me was um, the Muay Thai, right? Because I, I, I want, all I wanted to do was make sure I'd never got my ass kicked in a street fight again. So it's funny you mentioned Lethway because yeah, with the headbutts involved, like that is super appealing because what's more effective, you know, not just using your hands, your feet, your knees and your elbows, now incorporating another weapon that, you know, potentially if you ever, you know, if you were in a life or death situation that could, you know, help you, you know, so I definitely, I see the attraction to it, but um, as far as, as it being a sport, that's, yeah, it makes it a little, a little harder to stomach because, um, you know, headbutts are pretty darn easy. You know, I've never fought with headbutts in the ring, but, you know, you get headbutted by mistake. So it definitely, it, it, um, it changes the game. Yeah, it just adds another element because with Muay Thai, right, the art of the art of eight limbs. Am I getting that right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, so it's you know adding the head in there as well. You got nine things to worry about. So, um, yeah, crazy sport, but uh, interesting. You know, there's been some stuff on it recently, and um, you know, I think all combat sports that get attention, uh, the better because I think combat sports as a whole right now is really growing. You know, boxing is uh, entering like a really good stage um with the recent you know Tyson Fury and Wilder trilogy being completed and Canelo's helping to carry the sport and there's a lot of young stars on the on the way up and then the UFC as well is taking off and 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 you know continuing to put out amazing cards so it's all good every all all high tides raise raise all ships which is a good thing and um you know it's exciting times but going to your pro career um First of all, what I'm interested in is like when a fighter decides he wants to be pro and like what's the motivation in going pro? Um, what was it for you when you decided, all right, I want to, you know, hit the pro ranks in Muay Thai? Was it just purely based off of, uh, you know, testing your skills? Was it the this fear of getting into the ring and the professional element like attractive or intoxicating in a way for you once you got a taste of it? Like walk me through those early days. So it actually goes back to when I was a kid, when I was about eight years old, where not only did my dad, you know, introduce me to martial arts, which I'll always be grateful for that. But around that time, my dad started giving up on the family, right? He's, he still is till this day. He's a, he's a gambling addict. So he started, I, I noticed at an early age that he started you know, neglecting, you know, my mom and neglecting me and kind of just being in his own world. And again, even to this day, my dad is, um, I feel like he's, he deals with some mental health, mental health issues where he's very disconnected from the family. So from an early age, I just knew, right, that I I wanted to make a name for myself. I didn't know that it was going to be in Muay Thai per se, but I just knew I wanted to make a name for the Romulo family and, and do something you know, to bring some kind of recognition. And, you know, eventually I found Muay Thai. So when I, when I was an amateur, you know, I just knew that this, this was, this was martial arts was for me. I knew this was something that was going to be a lifelong journey. And at the time, the timing was perfect, right? Being able to, you know, fight for team USA in Thailand. um, You know, that was the deciding moment where I was like, okay, if I can hang with some of the best in the world, you know, and, you know, win a bronze medal, I was blessed to win a bronze medal back in 2004. I was like, all right, if I can hang with some of the best people in the world, let's, let's take it to the next step. And let's, let's, uh, you know, let's move on to the pro ranks and see what I, what I can do. And even though, you know, again, Muay Thai in New York, or even the United States, isn't, you know, a huge sport, but I just knew that deep in my heart, this was something that really drove me and gave me some passion. And I wanted to take it as far as I could. The experience of fighting and just being around the culture of Muay Thai fighters in Thailand has got to be incredible. I've seen some, some specials on showcasing some events and, and the way there's live scoring there's live betting in between rounds it's a chaotic environment there's music being played during the fights 
what was that experience like getting to get a taste of it in Thailand and, and that culture that is around the sport? Oh man, that's, that's definitely uh, something I'll never forget. I spent a good five weeks of training in Thailand. You know, it was at a gym that is no longer around. Uh, it's a pretty popular gym. The gym is called Fairtex and it was in a part of Thailand. It wasn't in the city. Uh, it was in Bangkok, but kind of on the outskirts. So it was like in the country. So being able to be out there and just be secluded and, and again, train with, you know, foreign fighters, train with, you know, native fighters, like kids, literally, you're training with kids who have mounds of experience, like they've, they start training at eight years old, they train twice a day, every day, or maybe six times uh, out of the week. And it's not a hobby, you know, it's not like just something that they find, they pick up and they, they're just like, you know, let me try this out. This is, this is a way for them to combat, you know, poverty and, and bring, you know, some kind of financial stability to their families. So to, to train under those kinds of conditions, like it, it was, it tested your heart, right? Because there, there were definitely times only in those five weeks where I was just like, how can I keep this up? You know, you know, I was, uh, I was about 29 years old. So I wasn't young, but I wasn't old. But I was like, man, how do, how can you, how do people, you know, how do these kids do this? you know, for years on end, you know, from eight years old, and they do this into their 20s. But again, it was definitely a, a good gauge for my desire to learn and to, to be a, not just a fighter, but all in all, be a, a martial artist and, and continue that, you know, to this day. Did, they, did you feel like accepted by the Muay Thai culture out there right away? Or was it more an approval once you you proved that you could stand with those guys and win and win a bronze medal at the um, the cup there. Well, it's funny, right? Because you uh, you mentioned boxing gyms, and you know, obviously, you uh, you mentioned before we jumped on here, Fifth Street Boxing Gym, and uh, definitely the you know the Muay Thai um, I guess protocol. I guess the best way to put it, it's just like the old school boxing gyms. You have to earn your respect in the gym first, right? So it took a few weeks for me to, to earn my respect in there with, you know, with the trainers and actually the owner of the gym who was like this, you know, big time business guy. And, you know, in Thailand, you know, he, he, he has a lot of respect because he is a promoter as well. You know, he would come out and watch me train and, you know, you know, all my teammates and even some of the, the trainers, they were pretty surprised that he would come out and watch come and watch me. Like, I'm just, there's nobody from New York. Right. But he would come out and watch. And sometimes he would give me instruction. So I definitely felt blessed that, you know, I earned my respect in the gym because of all the, you know, the hard work that I put in there. But as far as like competition wise, yeah, I, I, again, it was great to be able to test myself against, you know, you know, countries that I've, I've never been to. And, you know, and obviously in Europe, and, and the rest of Asia, you know, kickboxing is a lot bigger of a sport. So for Team USA to come out there in 2004 and put on a show and win golds, bronze and silvers. Yeah, it was it was just great to be a part of that back then. The live scoring element of Muay Thai, I guess, in the professional ranks, I don't know if it's also in the amateur, but. Um, kind of a hot, hot topic right now across all combat sports. A lot of people are calling for it in the UFC and in boxing. 
are you a supporter of that? And, and do you feel that it helps you as a fighter to know in between rounds where you stand or can it hurt you at times? I guess it could go either way. I mean, personally, I would not, I would not want to know. I, I kind of like the element of surprise. Uh, but then again, with some of the calls that you see, right, you know, judges' decisions and, you know, there are all these disputes about, you know, you know, what's the right, you know, who, who's the, who's the guy or girl that's supposed to walk away the winner. You know, I honestly, I, I don't, I, I, if I was still fighting, I would rather not know. I like the element of surprise and just believing in your skills and believing in, in how you feel in the fight. And, and just no matter what, just pushing yourself to the max in, in, in every round and in every fight. So um, I'm sure other people, you know, find the, I, I don't see, I don't see the benefit in it for, for myself, but that's just me. Okay. Well, as a guy who's, you know, thrown thousands of kicks over the course of his life, you know, your shins must be in incredibly conditioned. Right. And there's uh, a lot of fighters recently, like most notably with McGregor and, and Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva. Um, not only have they, you know, experienced a break mainly due to kicks, but also the calf kick in general in the UFC has become extremely popular right below the knee, kind of creating a, a dead foot or drop foot, I believe they call it. So it really just completely enables the leg and it's become a really popular strike. Um, I'd love to hear you kind of talk to that and maybe if that kick exists a lot in Muay Thai or maybe you're those guys are so conditioned or they know how to defend so well against it and and why is it happening so much in the UFC right now that, that is a good question um you don't see a lot of that in Muay Thai because of the the risk it's a high risk even though it seems like a a high re reward in Muay Thai um you do yes you do condition your shins you know, to the point where not that you don't feel the pain, you, you feel the pain, but you're able to handle it differently. And you build up this callus around your lower legs. What I feel like happens a lot, the guys that are breaking their shins or, or breaking their ankles, you know, there's so much uh, in mixed martial arts, obviously, there's so much to be trained, you know, you got to train your boxing, your wrestling, your jujitsu, your kicking. So maybe there is sometimes there might be um, a neglect on, on proper lower leg conditioning. And again, Muay Thai fighters, they're constantly kicking bags, hard bags, you know, kicking hard pads. They're, they're sparring, you know, even sometimes they're even sparring without shin pads to really, you know, develop the shin, the shin to shin contact. So when you see a guy break their shin, it's because I feel like it's because they just haven't trained the conditioning enough. So as far as seeing that in Muay Thai, you don't see it a lot because, you know, when you go shin to shin, I don't know, have you ever gone shin to shin before? Not, not full speed. There's a guy at the gym who just showed me and he, he just gave me a little tap and that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going shin to shin, it's, you, you don't, you're not looking for that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got a funny story about that one out. I went to a, a gym out in California back in 2003. And this was after I had a fight here in New York or back in New York that I won and I smashed my shin up pretty good in that fight. I won the fight. 
But then the, like literally the next day I flew out to California for some training at a famous gym out there. And there was a guy in that gym. His name is uh, Junkson on one of the famous, he's a legendary, you know, uh, golden era fighter uh, from Thailand. And I spent 13 days training there, but I wasn't able to kick with my right leg because it was so banged up. So I just used my left leg pretty much the whole time. And I remember one day after one training session, you know, I asked him, I was like, look, when, you know, when do your shins ever stop hurting? And he told me, if you don't like pain, don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, you know, that, that just, you know, and his, his nickname is the wooden man because when fighters used to hit him, they would say that it felt like they were kicking wood. So to come for, so for that to come from a guy whose nickname is the wooden man, I was like, all right, I got you. You know, it's just part of the journey, right? You're going to feel the pain, but, you know, make sure you're conditioning first. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, these these kicks that are happening are are nuts. I mean, even this past weekend, a couple guys uh, outside in the prelims, it happened. To, and then, of course, in the uh, Gaethje and Michael Chandler fight, you saw Chandler's front left leg was just, oh, my gosh, it was shredded early. Um, so it's a big trend right now. And it's it's work. It's clearly working. So guys are going to have to start focusing more on their Muay Thai maybe to get over this. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's easier said than done, but the way to defend that is pretty simple. Like I've seen guys do it a couple of times and boy, just turn your foot out, plant your foot and turn your shin out. And once the, once the kicker feels that shin to shin contact, I'm sure they would, uh, they would have to change game plans or switch up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want any part of the shin to shin contact. That is for sure. Um, crazy. But you're talking about the Woodman. There's a guy on that UFC card, uh, Alex Pereira, who's a middleweight, uh, former glory kickboxing champion. And, and he's uh, a guy who has beat Israel Adesanya, who's the current, you know, 85 pound champion UFC twice in kickboxing. And they Not say, that he, uh, yeah, and they said that he's, um, I think they're saying that he's made of mahogany. They said his, his whole body hurt. His whole body hits you with anything it hurts. So, guy to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did Glory ever have, or any organizations out there, um, ever bring in Muay Thai, or is, or is it usually pretty separate? Uh, or just uh, Muay Thai organizations don't tend to blend with MMA or kicks, kickbox, kickboxing uh, promotions. Oh, no, there's definitely a good handful of Muay Thai fighters that are in, you know, in glory. I mean, Sitachai. Yeah. You know, yeah, Sitachai. And there's a couple other guys. I can't remember their names right now. Thai names are pretty long and hard to remember. Yeah. But there's, definitely, uh, there's a good staple of, of Muay Thai fighters uh, in glory that uh, hold, you know, that are holding belts for sure. But still under the kickboxing kind of banner, correct? It's, yeah, it's not yeah. a... Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the Muay Thai guys definitely have to make an adjustment because of the three rounds, you know, when Muay Thai fighters are more accustomed to fighting the five rounds. And, you know, in Muay Thai, there's like giveaway rounds, like you, the first two rounds, you don't really fight because like what you mentioned earlier, they give the betters a time to gauge, you know, who they want to put their money on. So there's a lot of intricacies in Muay Thai, but yeah, definitely they have to make adjustments because, they can't, you know, they, there's no time to give away rounds in a three round fight, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's one another fight in the actually in one championship that I just remembered with Demetrius Johnson, who's fighting a a uh, Demetrius Johnson for people who don't know, former UFC champ, and he's over at one now, and he's fighting a Muay Thai fighter, and I believe they're gonna do, which is crazy, they're gonna do first round Muay Thai, second round MMA, third round, and alternate. So the Muay Thai guy better get him in the first round because if Demetrius tries to gets out of there and takes him down in the second round, I don't think it's going to go well. No, it's not going to go well. And, and it doesn't matter like how much, uh, you know, grappling training that this Muay Thai fighter does. Like, I mean, you got to remember, like, how many fights does Demetrius Johnson have? Like, you're not going to you're not going to be able to stuff a takedown from a guy who's been taking guys down for years, you know? No, yeah, it's going to be but a fun show, and it's good that they're mixing it up, keeping things interesting. But to go back to kind of what you said, you know, just around Muay Thai as a whole, like obviously the shin shin contact, the elbows, the knees, um, you know, there's no, there's no padding there. So guys are dealing with some crazy, um, you know, blows and, and, and a lot of intense violence really going on in the ring. So from a mental standpoint, like what were things that you did to prepare yourself mentally or in fight things you would tell yourself to overcome pain or adversity that you, you know, to become a champion, which you did? Well, mentally, it's just being aware, right? Knowing that like what I, what I was saying about Junction, like there was a point where I used to think that the pain would eventually go away. Like your shins would never hurt. You know, there's this myth that you kill off all the nerves in your shin so that you, you don't feel the pain anymore. But once, you know, he made it clear to me that the pain will always be there, you know, having that awareness. Now you can, you know, understand this is just part of the sport kind of relates back to life, right? Like there's always going to be pain in life. Things are going to hurt, but you know, if you deny it, right? Then, then it hurts even more. But what you want to do is accept the pain, right? And learn how to, and then from there, you can start, you know, taking your training a little more, uh, I, I wouldn't say seriously, but differently, right? Doing things that will lead, lead you to, to, to develop not only the mental conditioning, but also the physical conditioning behind that, making sure that you are hitting the hardest bag in the gym, or making sure that you are um, kicking pads and, and smacking your feet and your shins against these hard pads on a regular basis, you know, doing the things and not, not straying away from the discomfort. I think what happens a lot is people want to stray away from the discomfort. You got to lean into it. If, you know, if you really want to condition your, your mind and your body. Yeah. There's so much to like talk about around that. Like for myself too, like a big reason why I'd fell in love with just uh, boxing and combat sports is like the inspiration you get from the fighters and the ability to, uh, you know, overcome things. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and, and it makes you comfortable in life. Um, you know, callousing the mind, if you want to go the David Goggins route, which, <laughs> which is great too. And I know you talk a little bit about that, like throughout your podcast, right. And just kind of how the fight game parallels to life and Teddy Atlas, I think he's like uh, poetic the way he talks about how the fight game mirrors life, but it's, it's really true. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, even though I haven't fought in the ring, 
you know, since what is it? I, I retired in 2011. Like, yeah, daily reminders that, you know, you're going to get clipped on the chin, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But, you know, again, if you're, uh, what I learned is um, you put yourself through the, and you don't, again, you don't shy away from these situations. It's, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the term now. Um, but you, you, again, you, you, you put yourself in situations where you're constantly testing, you, not only your, your, you know, you're testing your heart, right? You're, you're, you're leaning into fear and you're saying, all right, is this fear really going to kill me or is it just going to make me stronger? So you can look at it in two ways, right? You can look at it as fear is going to hold you back or you can look at it as, all right, this is going to build me up and this is going to make me a stronger person as, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a business person, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it definitely parallels because every day is a fight. Once you roll out of bed, you know, if you, if you don't have that awareness that, you know, so, some, someone or something is trying to hold you back and you've got to find the way to keep moving forward, you know, then that's when you start, you know, fighting off of the ropes, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, no, I love it. And, and I know you're pushing that messaging on to a lot of kids now, right, with anti-bullying um, foundation that you run and, and help kind of preach that message right through the gym and, and get kids in there and doing positive stuff. Yeah, actually. Um, so now we, you know, we've closed the gym since 2000, May 2020. So, you know, we still have our scholarship students that we go back to see, uh, you know, back in our old neighborhood in Rockaway. Um, but yeah, definitely, that was definitely the mission, you know, when we were still running our gym and, and when I was going out doing these motivational talks that, yeah, life is a fight. And, you know, the concept fall seven times, stand up eight, right? You're going to get knocked down, but are you going to stay down or are you going to find a way to keep moving forward in life? Definitely, definitely. On the podcast side, I'm curious, you know, your Champ Up podcast, I was checking out some of the episodes, pretty cool uh, conversations on there. Is there any, uh, I guess, topics or, or people you've talked to through your time doing that, that you feel like, um, you know, had an impact on you or just gave you a new perspective maybe on life or the fight game or how to compete or any kind of lessons you've learned through the podcast game? Yeah, definitely. I would say uh, my my talk, well, we were friends before we had the, the interview, but my interview with Jared Gordon of the UFC. Yeah. And he has uh, he has a story that would definitely inspire anybody, the, the challenges he went through as a kid and, you know, how he's battled through that. And unfortunately, it led him to, you know, substance and drug addiction. But you know, now he's on a mission of his own, but it definitely makes you think, you know, for me, I was just like, you know, everybody thinks, you know, they've got it bad. But when you hear, you know, when you're able to hear other people's stories who want to share with you and you're just like, oh, okay, maybe what I'm going through or what I've been through, you know, all right, as challenging as I thought as it was at the time, everybody's got their own story. And it's great to hear that you know, how people are able to still persevere no matter what. And I'm sure you hear it a lot on your own podcast that, you know, you know, not, not that, um, 
not that hardship is easy, but it definitely builds you and makes you stronger. A hundred percent. Yeah. Not only did, uh, you know, kind of going back to one of my first uh, episodes I did with a guy for Fernando Villegas, and he was a producer for HBO's 24 seven series. And um, we had an awesome discussion just around um, one of the first ever episodes they did, which was Oscar de la Hoya and um, some of his fights and, and just going back to storytelling and what they did so well over at HBO. And I think Showtime and DAZN and some of these new networks are doing a good job and providing some all access moments where you see the behind the scenes and behind the behind the fighter and what's really going on in their life and um you know a lot of people draw a lot of inspiration from that um like a guy like Tyson Fury even recently and what he's gone through and climbed back and and now he's back on top of the world and um you know those stories need to get out there and I think uh you know hopefully my podcast it definitely does it for me talking to people and hearing their stories so um, it's awesome that you got it going as well. And, and, uh, you know, these stories can get out there and more people can get inspired and the fight game is the best at doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, Fernando is a good friend of mine. And I, I did listen to a little bit of that episode with, uh, with you and him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about the UFC, the UFC did that with, uh, the ultimate fighter, right. Bringing guys stories to the forefront attracted you know not just the hardcore fans but you know the general fans too so definitely it's huge to to get those stories behind each and every you know uh each and every fight that that might be happening most definitely most definitely well chris it's been a awesome uh chat with you you know i think uh people can learn a lot from from your journey in in muay thai and combat sports and and some things you've done outside the ring which is awesome as well so everyone, uh, you know, make sure to go check out the Champ Up podcast. And Chris, if you want to let them know where they can listen to that or what platforms to go to to go check that out. Oh, it's on, you know, Spotify, Google, uh, iTunes. So, yeah, all the major all the major yeah. podcasts, I'm sure, just like you. But appreciate it, Pat. Definitely appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it so much. And everyone go check out check them out on Instagram. We'll make sure to put it in the bottom of this video. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks again. Thank you.